Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Well, what a fun weekend it was, Miss Wendy. Oh my goodness. We did. Okay. So everybody out Indeed. there in uh, re- re- podcast land, um, we had a, a whole week in the recording studio uh, where we're working on some covers. We'll tell you all about when we release those. That'll be a fun thing for uh, later this month. Yeah. Interesting. Different. But then we got to go up north, Wisconsin, which is, uh, it's the best time to go up north oh. in Wisconsin. August, beautiful weather. Everybody from Chicago on vacation and us. It was incredible. And this time of year, the woods and the Mm -hmm. lakes are beautiful. The rivers are beautiful. Everything. Yep. But that's why we're sounding a little rough today because we played (laughs) all night Friday and all night Saturday night. Uh, And and that's great, you know, but... That's right. So... Doing what we love. So last week, three days in the recording studio, followed by, you know, the marathon weekend of performing. And that's why we sound like a couple of teenagers today, like... (laughs) Greg and Marsha Brady just talking about how can I borrow the car? But the good news is you did the interview prior to us losing our voices. So, yes. so you the won't... whole episode does not sound like this. So if it's <laughs> bothersome to you, don't worry. We'll be done with the, the intro shortly yeah. here. But it's fun. So uh, Mary Marshall, the paranormal MD, who we interview this week, uh, cool lady, met her at the Chicago Ghost Convention, Dark Shores, last right? year, last October. And... She's been working with a good friend of the podcast, Jay Bachochen. Hey, the Bigfoot guy. Yeah, from WPI, uh, was, you know, Hunts the Truth and Wisconsin Paranormal Investigations, uh, WPIHuntsTheTruth.com and our good friend Jay. And they've got a DVD coming out uh, cool. later this month. And she goes into the weird stuff that they found in the Kettle Moraine in Wisconsin. Which oh, is- this is exciting because I love... The Wisconsin stuff. Yes, you I know that. Too. Right, right. And I get excited because the Kettle Moraine was practically uh, in my backyard growing up. And my dad used to run races there. And that's where we would go to go on hikes and things like that. Oh, that's cool. So the, the idea that there's weirdness in there, uh, it makes me excited. That's right. Because I've been training and doing a lot of running. Mm-hmm. I've been running all around different parts of Wisconsin that I haven't been to before. Yeah. It's been really interesting. And I could definitely see where some of those uh, remote forested areas could be homes of yeah of strange things lurking <laughs> well and it, it's cool too because she does connect it to you know strange lights and, and more than just bigfoot like a bigfoot living in the kettle moraine like in a okay. cave or something it yeah. connects to other strangeness associated with bigfoot sightings and and when you hear things and stuff so that's what their dvd into the woods not to be confused with the musical the steven sondheim into the woods but that'll be coming out. And she talks all about that. And she talks about her original paranormal experiences that got her into this in the first place. And so she's from a suburb of Chicago, Hoffman Estates. Oh, where, good old Hoffman Estates. Yeah, we pass it every time we're coming down to play in Chicago. And we just have we, good memories. We knew a guy we, <laughs> we knew a guy named Hoffman from Hoffman Estates. And we used to play with his punk band. And what was the name? Of the, was it Sloppy Seconds was the name of the punk band? Shooting Blanks. Shooting Blanks. Was the name of the punk band? Oh man, and they were they were great. They used to have they a, were great. little LED lights on stage with funny oh, funny so sayings funny. while they were playing, yeah. and he was a character. Uh, no, he didn't make it, did he? I thought he made it to. There was a TV show called Average Joe. 
which was about like it's non- like the bachelor kind of right it or was the like the, it was like the bachelor but not tv kind of star looking people or like, more yeah like everyday guys right aver- average shows yeah <laughs> um you know kind of the bachelorette kind of deal and he was almost on the show and i remember he sent a secret email he's like i've got big news for everybody oh but we did have a friend on average joe that made That's it to right. the final four <laughs> and uh anyway we'll, we'll have to talk to him about that sometime but um mm-hmm. mary marshall a lot of fun really interesting person and she's been running her own podcast slash radio show for a long time called the paranormal md uh-huh. and i thought that meant she was a doctor yeah that's what i would assume as right. well you know that because i was prescription shopping and i was asking her well, i'm like what can you do for me no i didn't no i was thinking of like doogie hauser md yeah you know when but, you hear that you think doctor md was her nickname aha so so. paranormal md so she's not playing doctor or anything like that okay all right she doesn't have patients that are ghosts (laughs) no but she does do a lot of cool stuff in setting up parapsychology and paranormal theme classes at local universities and and community colleges and stuff like that so she's doing what she can to further the scientific aspect of paranormal research and we do love that don't we yeah that's the best part when you can throw a little science in the mix you throw a little bit less crazy in the mix and that means people are more ready to believe you. Yeah. And so anyway, Mary's a lot of fun and uh, she goes through some details of her first paranormal experience and I appreciate that because she like, she's like, I don't like to talk about it. But then she really gave us a good detailed explanation of what happened that got her interested in the first place. Okay, great. So uh, I think we should go do Let's it. Let's hear it. I'm here with Mary Marshall, the paranormal MD, how you doing today, Mary? I am doing wonderful, thank you. Fantastic. We're enjoying the summertime in the Midwest now, and you're in the <laughs> Chicagoland area, right? I am. I am in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Okay, and so you're probably a Bears fan, and I won't hold that against you. <laughs> you know, I have one uh, niece, adult. It's, she's an adult now, that just drives us nuts because she is a diehard Packers fan. And she just loves to sit and just create trouble during the games because, of course, um, well, all the rest of us are Bears fans. Right. <laughs> right. And so if you're not in the United States, we're talking about American football. And I know that has nothing to do with paranormal, but we just like to uh, joke each other from uh, the Wisconsin and Illinois sports rivalry. Because Chicago is so much bigger than anything in Wisconsin, we have to get them about something. <laughs> anyway, so thanks today for joining us, Mary and. You know, let's talk a little bit about the Paranormal MD. Describe a little bit about what you do for our audience. Um, What I do is I do investigative research. Um, I will... I I do go out on investigations and work home cases and or businesses, um, but mostly now just due to time constraints, I am researching and doing teaching. I started one of the uh, first paranormal studies programs in the country at one of my local colleges here. Since then, it's stemmed out, and I teach at uh, three different colleges and a couple other institutions um, in different counties around the Chicagoland area. Um, Which colleges do you have the paranormal studies program? Harper College in Palatine, Illinois, uh, College of DuPage, and College of Lake County. I know I'm all over the place. I'm driving all over the right. place for these. Um, but it's been great. I love connecting with people. I love being able to take, because I'm very uh, science-minded, um, analytical. 
about okay. things. Is that where the name the paranormal MD? Because when I think paranormal MD, I think of you know a, a somebody who can deliver prescriptions and things like that. So I mean, do you? I want my general practitioner to be the paranormal MD. <laughs> the uh, you know the thing it actually came about as far as the paranormal MD um, is because at the time, which was oh gosh, twenty years ago, uh, my married name started with the letter D, so it was Mary D, and I was poking fun at myself, the paranormal Mary D, you know. Sure. And so at that point, um, it it just sort of stuck and it went forth, and it really applied because of what I do and. Um, you know, how I'm teaching it, you know, with teaching with the colleges and my approach to it, because I really encompass so many things um, that a lot of people aren't talk about privately, but not publicly, meaning the sciences, whether it be physics, uh, neurology, or cultural science, um, because they're all really applicable to the field and understanding ourselves and the phenomena and so yeah that's kind of you know where it came from and it's just sort of stuck and um that's the name of my group uh my organization which is the paranormal md investigations and research website and there's a lot by the way there's a lot of information on that website that may answer a lot of questions for people. Okay, we'll have that linked at the show notes. Othersidepodcast.com slash 104 is where you can find uh, the links to Mary Marshall on the Paranormal MD website and group and everything. But, you know, it's, it's awesome that you've been working with colleges, and I want to talk about your classes, and, and, and people are interested how they can take those classes and things. But, you know, to get to that level where you can actually go to a school and say, Hey, hey guys! I got something for you. I think I have a cool paranormal class we can teach to your to your students. To get there, you have to have a certain amount of experience and have a you know a bunch of respect in a field and a bunch of credentials. So, I guess let's start with how you got into this stuff in the first place. Did you just like to watch That's Incredible and think, oh, those stories are great, or did you, you know that's how I got into it, or did you have an experience that happened to you that set you on this path? You know, I, I've had various experiences throughout my life, one of the first being a very, very negative one. Uh, one thing I do want to say at this point is, science-minded as I am, I'm equally um, metaphysical, um, you know, so it's more of a, a parapsychology approach to things. Um, and the reason I say that is because the first experience I had is what I would consider a demonic. Um, I don't I know people always want to hear the story, but I really don't like to talk about it a lot. Um, but it's it scared the daylights out of me, but nonetheless made me very aware. Since what, that what age was this? That was at 14. Okay, so you're 14, and you yeah. had an experience. Was it like a Ouija board or something like that? Or, I mean, because everybody uses the Ouija board when they're 14. You know what? No, it wasn't. I did that. Unfortunately, I did that much younger, uh, but I did do it. And you try to tell everybody, don't do it. If you don't know what you're doing. Um, no, it was really, um, wow. It was, it was it's so extreme in that there was a, the sulfur rotten egg smell. It was a bunch of unattended teenagers in a house uh, where there was no parent anymore because uh, the the owner of the house was uh, an, an only living relative of 
a friend was a grandmother who had passed away. That sounds had, like a setup for a horror movie here. A bunch it, of it, unattended teenagers, you know, right. and we're in a house <laughs> and like what's like all of a sudden, you know, a dude with a mask shows up and a big knife. It's it's kind of like that now now with without the mask and the knife. Um but there was now looking back, you know, obviously I have to take in consideration the perspective of a 14-year-old and how that's going to affect the memory. But in looking back at it with what I know now, there was probably oppression taking place on the um, girls whose home it was. And then seriously, it was the most insane, crazy situation in that neighbors, she had no other living relatives, were just kind of helping. We packed up and were helping sell the house. It was just crazy. And so was, she was another 14-year-old girl that had, and they had no family. Correct. Correct. I, she essentially uh, was adopt, uh, legally adopted by a neighbor, a neighbor friend, so that things could go on. But in the house, what had happened is that uh, there was a lower uh, basement apartment and um, in this home, and um, being very familiar because it had been rented out at times, um, you know, with with um, the layout and how things are. I'm, I'm really going to try to condense this down. Long story short no, is I you just, would wa- well, Anytime somebody <laughs> says like they had a demonic experience, I'm going ha- to have to be like, come on now. Well, at um, any rate, we I started we there was this rotten egg sulfur smell that started in the the grandmother had lived in this in the basement or lived she stayed in the basement uh, bedroom Um, and this is one of those where there was an outer basement you go down and there's the washer dryer that type of thing and then there was a door mother-in-law suites now or whatever I think yeah yeah yeah, exactly and then there was a door that entered into that apartment here's where it got strange it started very the smell started in the bedroom it grew out of that bedroom it was so strong so strong that it would knock you off your feet but here's where it gets peculiar um you could literally stand one inch with nose up against that door you know so to say and it was an open doorway at this point the door was open you could stand on the outside of that apartment and not smell a thing you step over that threshold and the smell would want to knock you over it never came up the vents and it never came out that door so it's, something it, in that room, confined to that room. And, and eventually to that whole apartment area. So this is how it, and it just, that's amazing. It was just really weird. You could stand in on the outside, nothing, take one step over. And it was so strong. I, I've never since then smelt anything like that. It stayed there all the time. It never came up the vents. And I know because of cooking and smoking smells and everything else that mm-hmm. other smells did. Um, it it basically came down to a particular evening as I started to suspect something was going on. So like um, something I, I supernaturally or like, you know, a lot of times. Okay, because a lot of times when people are, you know, there's no adults around, there's no family around, there's always weird abuse situations or, you know, how things go. Right. And you've got a bunch of kids that can feed off of each other, you know, as far as imagination and hysteria and things like that. And that really wasn't going on because oddly, despite that, there wasn't a lot. There was just very private couple conversations going on with a couple people. But I did notice the behavior difference of this girl, the smell, um, and 
that feeling. There was just a very negative presence. You know, people talk about those things. Um, it culminated in me speaking with my brother, who was uh, who's seven years older than me, and was converting from being a Catholic to a Lutheran. And I mentioned that because he was very heavy into study at that point. So I went to him to talk to him about it. He agreed that something peculiar was going on. He gave me some suggestions of where to read. And I went to my friends to try to enlighten them to, you know, in a sense of um, we need to take this a little serious, you know, kind of a thing. You went to bring him some Jesus. Yeah, to bring bring them to you, exactly. Because most of these kids, again, uh, were coming from one-parent households um, where, you know, the parent was gone often. There wasn't any religious upbringing or much of one and so forth. So at the point when I did that, again, condensing this down is um, it was like a scene out of a movie in that when I at one point was wanting was talking to him when we're all in the living room and said I wanted, you know, to read some things out of the Bible to them in reference to this all. Um the one of the there you know, there's a front door and a screen door. Yeah. The one door flew open and the other one flew shut. Things started to fly off the coffee table and it's I mean obviously scaring the daylights. Right. Okay. So you're just hanging out. You say like, okay, guys, I'm going to do a little Bible reading here because I think if this was a demonic presence, it might react to, or, you know, a little bit of some Christianity might make it fly away or whatever and go away. And then it's, it immediately starts reacting, slams the doors, throws things off the table and everybody's right. crapping their pants at this point. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I'd, I'd, be, here, I'd be out the door. Yeah, well, here's where the thing was, is that I was so determined. Now, <laughs> it was, I well, um, I needed a Bible. And I asked her, I asked for the Bible. And when I had, I had also asked for the Bible uh, during at that time, too. I, sure. So at this point, when I find out, <laughs> unfortunately, um, the Bible was in the basement apartment in the grandmother's bedroom above oh, her bed. Oh, man, the Bible's in the demon room. Yep. And um, I went down to get it. And I will tell you, I, again, since then, have never been so scared in my life. With all of the crazy things, you know, that you see since then, I've never been that scared because this was so, so serious. And I knew it. I ever, you know, every fiber of my being can, could, you know, could feel this. So I had to go down the stairs and I had to go into that apartment and at points, I was almost paralyzed with fear. You know that where you just are so you can't uh, so afraid that you are paralyzed. You, you feel like you can't move. Well, I, you just saw something fly across the shelf. You know, I, <laughs> I get something falling off. Like a, you know, I'm like, oh, it's probably you know, it's not the cat. Or the cat's on the other side of the room. Like I don't want to go to that side of the room for a week. Right. And the thing was, I knew it wasn't just a ghost. I knew this was demonic, and p- particularly the the cue on this was that sulfur smell right that's what you always hear that that some like that smell of rotten eggs yeah and not just some dude playing a prank (laughs) exactly so i did manage to get in there i passed it if that makes sense um in that i can tell you it was blacker than the black of shadow in the height so you saw a shadow person uh out of the out of the corner of my eye and the reason I say this is because I was trying I'm so scared and I'm trying to stay say 
stay, excuse me, so focused, all I kept repeating in my head so nothing else could get in was the Lord's Prayer. So I was just over and over and over and over. So nothing else could get in my head. That's like people say they pray the rosary for protection, right? You know, you say a a bunch of prayers in your head while you're fiddling with the rosary. uh, And that's the meditative kind of protection experience mantra kind of thing. Well, yeah, because you don't want anything negative getting in there. And if anything is getting in there, this is what they're confronted with. That's pretty smart for 14 years old. You know, uh, yeah, I, 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 well, I found out it was. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, you know, right. later on, like, you know, if you're thinking like, well, you know, repeat this in your head so nothing negative can get in. And, you know, just a scared uh, teenager. That's, I, I, yeah. I think it's pretty good. So you made it, you made it past. Uh, I got the it. Show. Went up. And then when we did that and then there was some more disruption, there was some light flickering, but uh, nothing more than that that I can recall really did then happen but that i mean isn't that enough like to me i see something flying that's enough you've got yeah that that's i can see why that would set you on a path to be like i need to learn more about this well you know actually what it did at that point is it kind of scared me away Mm. because i did then later have experiences including um psychic medium type experiences that i couldn't explain okay uh, but in fact things of that I would see or know or hear, not with the ears or the eyes, but somehow just it happened. Sense. You know, I'm like, what's going on? And uh, getting it validated, which really, then that even scared me back then. Because I'm like, this is just all so weird. Right. It's like, okay, I was right about this. Uh, <laughs> you know, and here's why. Because religiously how I was raised, uh, Catholic and Lutheran, pretty much Everything is demonic or a demonic trick. Okay. Uh, they, this even as ghosts, you don't know that that's you know grandma can't really come back and visit you and so on and so forth. So I had a lot of fear. Nonetheless, in the background though, I continued to to search out material and study. But back then there wasn't really much beyond metaphysical, or spiritual type stuff. There right. wasn't a lot of of anything hardcore as far as science and so forth being applied to it. Um, <clears throat> push forward, had saw residual, uh, your, your sometimes typical uh, white fluorescent uh, ghost, and it was a residual. Um, checked it out, you know, knew it was nothing else that was going on. In fact, I was seeing this and, and a few other things through the years. And so you had little experiences when you went to different places. Were they specifically haunted places that you went to on no. purpose? Or was it just like you'd go somewhere and you'd be like, hey, do you see that dead person over there? Well, uh, just I would happen to just be taking a weekend vacation with a friend. Okay. Yeah, it was not haunted, uh, not intentionally going to haunted places, but nonetheless having... Um, these either, you know, witnessing something at, at one point. And then um, another time having a dream um, in which I was apparently talking in my sleep, and I do not do this, uh, scared the person I was with. And um, they were like, next morning, so uh, how, how you how are you feeling? Um, right. What did you dream about last night? And then tell me how I freaked him out. And I explained what the dream was, which had to do with the room that we were in. And it was one of the uh, B&B type place. So it was uh, a very old uh, place up in Michigan. And I can't tell you where or what the name was. Sure. And um, 
when we went down for um, breakfast, we talked to the owners. And what it was is that it was how this room and the people that were in this house and how the room had a doorway in a different place and this and that. And you couldn't tell any of this. And apparently it was like that. So they had reconstructed the second floor and, you know, unbeknownst to me and where I had said there was a doorway and so forth, right. there was. So, you know, things like that. So you have this first experience when you're 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And as you grow older, you know, so the next, is this like the next 10 years you are having weird experiences, next five years? Like, where are you in life when you start, when these random things keep happening to you? Um. I would say then during, uh, from that point of 14 forward through the 20s, was just more um, psychic medium type experiences, to be quite honest. Well, casual things like where you, I mean, like you said, you you would have not necessarily premonitions, but you'd have flashes of insight into how a place was, you know, that had nothing to do with your corporeal senses. Right. And that particular one happened to be actually in a dream. The other ones were not dreams. They were just a sense of knowing or hearing, like you. And again, it sounds crazy, but and I don't talk about this a lot. Um, the reason I don't is because I'm always so focused on the other aspects, the science part, and trying sure. to relate of how phenomena is occurring. Um, so at any rate, yes. Yeah, so during that point, then in the 30s is when I saw the residual ghost. Um, and then I would say somewhere, um, trying to trying to gauge this also. Like I'm just thinking about your growth into someone who's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to study this stuff. I'm going to create classes. You know, create a curriculum based right. around it. So you have those experiences. Yeah. So really, where that all really started at a hard court is at a certain point. I'm like, you know what? I need to. I need to get out there. I need to. The, enough of this book stuff. When I need to get out there in, te- you know, the field and test things out. I joined, a, found a local group. I joined it. Um, I actually then helped another group start up and uh, was working with them for a while. But I didn't like what either of them were doing in that it was more of a hunt. And there wasn't a lot of, there was a lot of belief, in, but not a lot of an, an, um, analysis of things. Um, so what do you mean by a lot of like a lot of belief, they'd go in and people would just say, "Oh, but it's cold in this room." Did they ha- did they have a lot of uh, equipment, or what were they measuring? Yeah, at that time, equipment was still really very much borrowed from other fields. You know, electrician tools and things like that. So you had, um, I think, when I started, they didn't even have like the obelisks and other different pieces of equipment they have now. That's really over the last ten years of the development of all of that for the field, which mm-hmm. is fabulous um so but it was just a mindset it was just an accepting like you said it's cold in here oh it's a ghost um i i'm you know uh, sensing something oh it's a ghost um there were things like that that were um just it was a given there wasn't a skepticism and trying to figure out more other reasonable explanations Furthermore, I found that people would tend to, and they still do, as a matter of fact, let's say they have a group of five, six people, and they go out. If those five, six people don't, can't find a reasonable, reasonable explanation for some paranormal event that occurred, 
then they write it off as, well, it's paranormal. Right, and five or, six, five or six people is a pretty small uh, sampling, sampling. Of, of the minds that could explain some kind of paranormal activity. Exactly. Just because I don't know or you don't know doesn't mean there isn't an explanation. So you need to take it outside of. And I've had cases in which there were, I was basically lied to um, by the curators or caretakers of this location of to what the event had occurred and it actually um i think was haunted america or most haunted or something you know this is tv shows right yeah was out there excuse me the week before and it actually filmed but there was they had all these records but there was no record of this female um so on and so forth so when i left there not only through um deeper questions to the caretaker was I convinced that this was not all true um then I went to the fire department my local fire department the fire chief there was very kind I drew out a map this is what gold this is what they said happened because they were saying that this was an original burnt door from a fire where this girl was trapped and had died and is now a ghost there and this is a, this I, is a, a place local to Chicago um, it oh, was like a, in, a house or a bar or what kind of place? In another state. Okay. It was a house in another state. And at that point, I'm looking at this door and in the, the fire and it's supposed to be in this room. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm no fire expert, but this just doesn't look like right. This doesn't right. seem the nature of how fire would move. So I went to the fire department. The fire chief, you know, spoke with them. And, uh, and the fire chief did not kick you out. No, he was actually really kind to he's listen. Like, he's like, what are you doing, you interloper? Get out of here. No, he didn't say anything. Yeah, crazy woman. Um, and in fact, it couldn't have happened that way. So the point being is that you need to go outside of yourself. Um, you know, recently I've been working, uh, and I don't mean to kind of segue out of this, but no, you, you know, recently where you want to go. I've been uh, working a case with Jay Pachochin of WPI Hunts the Truth. And you guys out there in Paranormal Land, in the, in the listenership, you guys know Jay Pachochin because he's been on our Cryptozoology Roundtable. He was with us when we discussed the smiley face killers in La Crosse, Wisconsin as well. Oh, and uh, we talked about it with him in the Chicago Paranormal Conference too. So yeah. you got, uh, we'll link to that because you guys know you've heard Jay before, the listeners in the show him. So. <laughs> Yeah, so he, I, I'd been friends with Jay, and um, basically it had started where one day I was like, he'd been talking, he'd been going out into the uh, kettle at uh, Kettle Moraine in Wisconsin. And that's, um, we discussed the Kettle Moraine in depth with our interview with Linda Godfrey episode as mm-hmm. well. So if you guys have want to know more about the Kettle Moraine, it's a good place to go to because she lives right outside the edge of it. It's a fascinating and interesting place. If you go into certain areas, certain areas, we happened upon, um, well, I initially started, like I was going to say, is that well, I'm just going to go out with my friend and see what he's up to. And Jay is a big Bigfoot hunter. And so, yes. I mean, this is a little different now. So you in the paranormal stuff, we talked about demons. We talked about ghost experiences and psychic experiences. And now, I mean, cryptozoology and Bigfoot hunters are something completely different. So are you the kind of person who believed in Bigfoot beforehand? No. Okay. Not really. And I will tell you, it's been a journey because what happened is, is I started in the first time out, I have no equipment, didn't anticipate anything to happen. Right. I've been out to the Cattle Marina a hundred times and I've no Bigfoot over here. Right. My first time out, what happened was, <laughs> was quite interesting. And that hooked me 
And then slowly, uh, not slowly, then Jay and I just started going out and it just sort of became a partnership because we started doing some very intensive research and experiments there. Um, so when I, my first time out, I witnessed, both of us had witnessed what we now refer to as the wall of lights. Um, it was probably, I'm trying to think, 150 feet area covering kind of in front of us and to the side, tree line, if you will. We're standing on a path. What time of day was it? This was at nighttime, and I want to point out that this was during the super blood moon, which means it was very bright. You could literally read a book out there. This is in the summer or was it in the fall? What time of year? It was fall. Okay, so fall, nighttime, Kettle Moraine. If you guys want to picture the Kettle Moraine, it's just a, a wooded area, hilly, not mountainy because it's Wisconsin, but it's plenty hilly, a pretty deep wooded area, a yes. state park kind of deal. So there's not a ton of roads around. There's not a ton of houses. It's kind of just a park, and it's middle of nowhere-ish. It's uh, the Kettle Moraine, and I, I may be off on this, but I think it's something like 45,000 acres. Yeah, it's huge. Isn't it right? Yeah, it just big. it keeps extending all the way, you know, all the way north, south, east, you know. So when we're out there, all of a sudden we're standing and we get this pulse, pulse, kind of a pulse flash of of light. And I'm okay. going to explain it this way: in that these lights would be at no particular pattern. Uh, might be a flash, flash. And then wait a little bit, or it could be a flash, 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 or one, you know, was no particular pattern. We're four to ten feet in diameter, irregular shaped, diffused white light. Okay. This is pretty astounding. And so I have no and, idea what this is. Right. And it's like we're deep in the woods and this there's no explanation for this. I'm like, come on. You know, so it was it was kind of freaky. Um, at one point I, because I didn't have any equipment, I started walking forward with my hand out and, and Chase like, what, you think you're going to get like sucked back to 1955? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, it could happen, you know, right. but I was trying to see if I could even feel a static or something, if there was like a wall of static or, and I didn't feel anything at a certain point. Now we're standing watching it. There's just zero explanation um, because again, we're deep in the woods. There's not planes. It's not car headlights, you know, so forth. There's no one, you know, no, it's not coming from any particular uh, place and it's occurring over a, a large area and in different places anywhere from six feet off the ground to to the top of the tree lines by the way okay so eventually we just literally it's still going on walk away and out of this area not too far and I, again I'm, I'm guessing at this point but i'm thinking maybe 50 yards past um I hear, now Jay was talking, so he did not hear this um, or hear this as clearly. Mm -hmm. And I heard something large in that sense of that, that shuffle moving up on you on the path coming up. And I honestly, I thought it was going to be like a wolf or some type of animal. Now you're coming from the other direction. So the, the light's behind you now. Correct. So you're walking away from the light. Now it's still pretty bright out there. Because of the blood moon and the mystery wall of lights. Right. And um, up ahead of you. So is this on a, is there a path in the woods or are you guys off a path? What, no, what? at this point we were on path. Okay. And so I stopped abruptly, turned around and backed up 
because I, like I said, I was convinced it was going to be some large animal and nothing was there. And again, super blood moon, very light, very clear to see, Um, you know, not guessing any guessing about it. There was nothing there. Um, When I turned, as I'm making shuffling, my own shuffling noises, so to say, Jay says that he heard what he would describe as uh, a grunt, a grunt type breath. Okay, so you heard movement. Jay hears a grunt. And nothing's there. Hmm. Needless to say, this hooked me and I was now coming back. And so we unintentionally um, started, uh, someone had come out and asked to uh, film us and they wanted to do a short documentary. Okay. Yeah. You know, and it what was supposed to be a 15, 20 minutes turned, is not, turned into a full-blown documentary um, in which they followed us for along for a year. So every season all the way through to basically where we started uh, in time, you know, in season-wise, and followed us along into any experiments that we did, any experiences that we had, um, whether it had been, you know, rock-throwing or discovering, um, you know, structures and things like this. I am a big skeptic still. Right, because first of all, when you think about what Bigfoot could be realistically... You know, you're like, okay, well, if you think, all right, I believe that there's definitely a chance that there's creatures that we have not seen yet, that we have not discovered yet, that are just a little bit, you know, they're just really hidden. Maybe there's only a few of them. You can imagine that, but they don't usually have a big wall of lights like a Cubs game or something like that out there. Well, that's the thing. There's various types of phenomena occurring out there. Um, in the process of this year's, I've also this year I also collected an EVP. Um, we have run some experiments in regard to Native American. Trying, you know, we've run experiments as far as trying to either contact or. Um, initiate any type of contact with Bigfoot with whatever. See, here's the thing. I what I liked about this is is that Jay had his experience and his knowledge um on in the you know Bigfoot Sasquatch arena, so to say. Yes. I did not. So I was coming into this rather cold. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, I came and I was I, I did not go to the blogs. I'm not researching because I, I wanted my own approach and I wanted a more scientific, if you will, approach to this. Sure. As Jay will say, you know, he says Bigfoot, I say bunny rabbit. It's whatever, you know, whatever happens, I have some, you know, I, I, we, and here's, here's what's happened. We discovered over this year or two, by the way, of how we relate to each other in um, both a humorous way and an analytical way. Mm-hmm. I say think X Files, uh, Mulder and Scully, a dollar version of a Mulder and Scully on a dime store budget. Right. That that's us. Um, you know, so I'm always coming up with some reasonable explanation for things and researching that. Um, here's the thing. I do want to point out, and a lot of the what this documentary is going to cover is is some real explanations because that's what i'm after in this field i'm after that and after the root cause because whether it be bigfoot or a ghost or shadow people or a ufo it's all about now you see it now you don't 
you know, kind of phenomena. So what's at root cause of a lot of this? And some of it can go to theories on wormholes and singularity and how that information or the Heisenberg, and I'm not going to get into bore everybody with the explanations, but the Heisenberg, you know, certainty principle and so forth and so on. But you can come up with the theories of, I don't know what, see, here's the thing. I don't even know what, I don't agree uh, necessarily with what a Bigfoot is. For me, it's still, you know, the verdict is still out. Sure. Is it, is Bigfoot an interdimensional being? Uh, we know through science, multiple dimensions exist. So is it possible I mean, these are all the crazy different theories that we've gone through. That Bigfoot's walking through a portal or something like, like, hey, everybody, you know. Just- Maybe Bigfoot is us. Maybe aliens are us. Now, what I mean by that is if there is portals in time, if there are loops in which um, tears in the fabric of time, if you will, which I, I can, I will tell you a little bit about that. We, you know, you have a Cro-Magnum walking through the woods, you know, doing his whole own thing. And boom, for 10 seconds, he's in our realm, in our dimension. You've got aliens um, that very possibly could be us in the year, you know, 4,035 or something. In that if we continue on a path of where we are with our uh, transhumanism type approach and bionics, but also also through our, our brain capacity, we would lose the, we would need like we don't need our appendix now over evolution, our bodies would get very lift, you know, like, like, in, like aliens. And the communication could be telepathic. Well, that'd be totally sweet, too. You know, so oddly, this could be us. But here's the thing. It could be us in other ways, too. There's things that sound like science fiction, but people don't realize is a reality now. Experiments are being done at universities across the across this uh, globe that are playing around with cloaking, not only the invisibility cloaks or illusion cloaks. Okay. Now physicists have found ways to create a cloak that can hide events in time. And there's this gravitational lensing, bending light. I'm going to have to link to that. What's where have you where have you read about that? Like well I I have that's that sounds awesome and cr- like I crazy, you know, not crazy in the crazy way, but like where exactly right. did you read about that? Well, this is some of what I do as far as putting theories together by pulling from sources and applying it, you know, connecting the dots and applying it for paranormal phenomena. Uh, Cornell University in Ithaca is one of the ones uh, that is doing, so they can look up that, uh, have created a hole in time using the temporal equivalent of an invisibility cloak. So, like, everybody would forget about it? So, like, in Doctor no. Who, everybody falls through the cracks in time or whatever, or events, you know? No, it doesn't work like that. The invisibility cloak works on, uh, they've been able to manipulate electromagnetic frequencies in extreme ways. Um, and what they do is that time cloaking is possible uh, because of huh. a kind of duality between space and time in electromagnetic theory. So they, the temporal cloak is placing like two, and this is including gravitational lensing, um, placing two time lenses in a series, and then they send a beam of light through it. The first compresses the light, 
while the second decompresses it. And essentially what this does is it leaves a gap or a hole in which no in which no events are recorded. So if you're the observer, if you're observing the light coming out of the second lens, mm-hmm. it's going to appear undistorted and as if no event has occurred. So if, if right now this can only be done for and this is very short time, but right. uh, for a hundred twentieth nanosecond, that's how short. I mean, it's 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 a, it's not even a blink. Sure, but it can be done. However, what is our capabilities of this in three hundred years or a millennia from now? Right. And and what would that mean for us in the here and now? So, is it possible that we ourselves are have advanced to such a point in creating? Things like time cloaking and working on so many other types of experimental things that we are creating these this an effect, um, and I want to say an illusion because it's just a distortion, a, a grab like a gravitational field distortion that we are that allows us to witness these things now, witness things in other dimensions and possibly other universes. And I like that too because that could be a reason why. All this stuff happens in the middle of nowhere. Right. The reason that it happens in the middle of nowhere is they thought that they could do the experiment there. You know, we're doing the experiment out because there's nobody out here. And then there's some, you know, some poor jerk is out there like, hey, what's going on? Oh, my God, it's Bigfoot. You know, and he's, right. of, you know, all of a sudden he's being carried off through the vortex. Yeah. And it's just it's in it. The randomness in some ways, too, can just be a part of a ripple effect from these these types of events occurring in the in the future because here's where it gets strange and everybody's like well that's crazy because it's in the future well in really to understand that there have been other experiments conducted by uh uh, this uh yakir at um tel aviv university in israel Mm -hmm. um that indicate that not only the past makes up our present but the future also makes up the present again they have done experiments. This is not science fiction. They have done experiments. And basically at the heart of this idea is um, something called like um, non-locality. Uh, what it's basically starting to deal with is quantum entanglement that you have. What does non-locality mean? Well, here's what I'm saying. Okay. You have the two particles that exist in an interrelated or entangled state that remain undetermined or superposition, until they're either observed or a measurement, you know, observed and a measurement is made of them. When that happens, now the other particle, no matter how far away it is, including dimensionally, is in a fixed position too. Einstein actually talked about this. I think um, action at a distance, he called it. Spooky action at a distance, right? Um, no, that was, yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. In 1935. And so, yeah, it, the, so is it possible that in a timeline beyond our current, in other words, in our future, that we ourselves are creating the phenomena that we're bearing witness to? Well, I like that too, because it unifies the theories in a lot of ways, you know, because if, if you say that, between Bigfoot and aliens and ghosts. And I talked to Jay before, off air. He's talked about his um, theory on ghosts as time travelers or slipping through the dimension kind of thing. 
you know, getting a glimpse, like when you're really seeing a ghost, you're not actually seeing the spirit of something, but you are seeing a, a crack in time, you know, a crack in the fabric of time. For like residual. Yes. That would, yeah. So that's a lot of time with the residual. You're at a very fixed point. There's an entire world and universe going on just like ours that we're sitting in right now. But there's a, a particular um, juncture, if you will, in that you're seeing, you know, September 3rd, 1933 at 3 p.m. And that's all you're seeing. So it's going to, of course, it's going to play itself out like a loop because that's all you're seeing. But if we could have gotten past that or, you know, broaden that, you, there's a whole real um, life events just like we have going on here going on. We're just not privy to seeing it. So it would right. play itself out like a loop. Um, the interesting thing, going back to these lights, um, I was obsessed with studying this because there's other things. Jay had also witnessing uh, red, something that looked like red eyes out there in other types of lights. I've heard about the red eyes thing before. A lot of time that comes with, um, you know, dogmen. <laughs> or, right. You know, that the, uh, or as Linda Godfrey calls them, the upright canine, you know, the upright walking canines. And people will say, you know, even when you talk about the Kettle Moraine, the Kettle Moraine's right by Bray Road. The beast of Bray Road has, you know, those red eyes. And so Jay's had experienced that? Yeah, he's experienced that and he's experienced rock throwing and so on and so forth. Um, you'll have to have him on the show again so he can talk about that stuff. Right. Um, and so, you know, when I when I was looking at this and I'm like, all right, there there's a lot of... You know, there's got to be reasons for this. Right. We got to start. So I started a lot of things connecting. Again, it just first I'm looking at the. Let's look at the geology, geological makeup of the area. Let's look up at then combining that with the atmosphere, combining that with um, other causes that may cause this type of thing. Mm -hmm. For things like the smaller lights, the the red lights and stuff that you can see, I. Personally, um, as much as it may be a bizarre experience and certainly still could be uh, some other type of phenomena, a lot of it, I think, is due to um, decaying of organic matter. Okay, so like, and, is there a glow to organic what, matter yeah. decaying? What happens is, is decaying or organic matter, matter produces like methane gases, mm. and they can fluoresce under uh, certain lighting conditions. And that includes even no clouds, half moon to full moon. Is that the J. Allen Hynek when he talks about swamp gas? It, it, that's part of it, yeah. Okay. I mean, in the swamp gas. But we're not, it doesn't have to be, see, the earth itself emits these gases. It doesn't have, you know. So... And that can produce green, blue, red, or white light. In addition, it can tend to be set off by a chemical react. The chemical reaction can be set off by nipping um, at it, uh, insects nipping at it. Hmm. Then you have fungi that can react the same way and can become illuminated. And it's basically a process of, um, you know, a lot of this can be due to chemoluminescence, bioluminescence. Um, I'm not going to say it all is, but certainly a significant, if not most, of the light. I've been to the bioluminescent bays in Puerto Rico a couple times where you, you go in and you can, you, uh, they have the tiny, you know, the not just tiny creatures, but, you know, microscopic creatures that you, when you put your hand through the water, it looks like you're drawing with 
a light bright or something like that. Like it really and is. And it's probably bizarre, right? It's, it's super bizarre. Like if I didn't have a explanation of, okay, there's, you know, these tiny creatures living in the water that get illuminated when they, you know, get activated and stuff, you would think that it was magic. Yeah. I mean, it's just bizarre. And then there's other types um, that have to do that science is just beginning to study, considering a real occurrence, a uh, real type of phenomenon, which has to do with ball lightning or earthquake lights, uh, thunder lightning. I think it's interesting when you, you talked about, you know, we're talking about methane gas and illumination. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the smell of methane, you know, going back to the, the, the around demonic experiences that people have, or, you mm-hmm. know, when they have, you know, they, they sense something evil and you yourself talked about that smell of sulfur, that mm-hmm. rotten, decaying, something smell uh, connected with supernatural activity. You know, it, it almost makes me think like, well, is, is methane a conductor for supernatural activity? I mean, it, it's a con- conductor for supernaturally clearing a room. <laughs> but um, could that gas have something to do with making the situation right or making the, the atmosphere right for something weird ha- about to happen? Well, most of this, too, is going to apply outdoor due to the strength. However, things like ball lightning can occur indoor. Um, I've experienced that and it was extremely bizarre. It's the only thing I can describe it as. And this was uh, years ago. um, My daughter, um, who was a child at the time, she and I were talking in the kitchen and she was had her back against the outside window. So I'm facing her. I'm facing. This is in the Midwest. This is in the Midwest. Okay, because a lot of times when you hear about ball lightning, you think of something happening in the desert or, you know, in the middle no. of the dust bowl in Oklahoma. And it was indoors, which is, is, is very random and unusual, but it does, it does occur. Um, and at the time, I mean, up until recently, I had really all these years had no clue for sure what I probably had experienced. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge, huge bright light, almost carrying a, I don't want to say a thunderous sound, but a crack pop, thun, you know, deep to it. Okay. In that it happened between my daughter and I, we lost sight of each other. Was this during a storm or something? No. I mean, so this no, was and just that's the, during the, like during the day, during the night, like what? A- so this happened between us. Now, afterwards, I went and checked everything from the light bulb in the stove to the transformers at the corner to see if anything had changed. Right. The weather was fine. I never did find a cause for it. Um, but it was probably one of these random experiences that science is now studying, which is called ball lightning. Now, ball lightning is a little bit different. Um, that has, it's more, it's like a plasma ball type thing. Mm-hmm. The geological makeup can have something to do with it, particularly when you're outdoors, because The ground can be magnetically charged, depending upon um, what's what's underneath you. And there's a you know it could be due to um, the tectonic plates in a sense rub. If you have an area like the kettle, which is very high in in silica sand quartz, okay, you can have electrical discharges occur. So you mix these electrical discharges with the emission of gas gases in coming from the ground depending upon gravitational pull at the time and the atmospheric gases of nitrogen 
you can cause some light phenomena. The kettle too was developed over, um, you know, during the ice age and the glacier. You know, from, from the it's all it's all stuff from the glacier that leaving the deposit in there too. So it's such a it's a weird mix of geology. Yeah, it's 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 a weird mix, and that's where you have to take all of these things and put them together. So you've got quartz bearing rocks that can produce voltages when com- compressed, and we know this. This is not, you know, uh, combining it with gases and atmospheric conditions and things can happen. It doesn't make it any less strange or bizarre when you see it, but nonetheless, it does have a lot of it could have a very good explanation, reasonable explanation. With this being said, I do want to note that over the last couple years in particular, Mm -hmm. there has been an increase in these sightings, particularly because you have a lot of the Bigfoot people who are out there a lot in the field. So they're, they're out there consistently um, that are witnessing this much, much more than they ever have before. All different types of light phenomena. So light so, phenomena in the Bigfoot hunt is on the rise. Well, that's exciting. So, yeah, you think about the light phenomena. Why is there an increase? What's going on? Does it have to do with, um, again, our man-made? being responsible uh experiments from the hadron collider at cern to fermilab to uh harp to other experiments to all the electromagnetic i mean fields that were thrown out there in uh equipment and experiments and so forth i don't know you know there's been an increase and i suspect it's probably increased due for man-made reasons of one kind or another so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of these this type of stuff going on there. And we've had scary experiences that you can't explain um, and bizarre. Um, so it's been a really interesting journey for me personally because I found a lot of things. I was coming to a lot of the same conclusions as some others in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the field. Okay. In the Bigfoot field. Um, but also I've been able to lend to those experiences of mine and others, um, some a little more science, a little more scientific perspective on what may be causing some of this. Um, again, not denying that people see. Here's the thing: whether again it's it's Bigfoot or ghosts or or you know UFOs, people are seeing and experiencing something. Right. They, they all can't be crazy. They all can't be misidentifications. Even if it's, if I were to, you know, sort through it all and all, and in the end, we find that only 10% is truly unexplainable. Well, that's 10%. And that's what we're after. Well, as long as anything's unexplainable, you know, that's what I always think is that a lot of the researchers out there, they put up with hoaxes and stuff that's BS and everything because when you finally get the smoking gun, then you've got the smoking gun. And it doesn't if you have something irrefutable, something that you really can't explain, or something when you do find an explanation is of a paranormal variety, that that's all you need. You know, because if you just rely on people's testimony and even eyewitness research and everything, there's just you're never going to convince everybody. So right. I think a lot of people put up with Things that are hoaxes or, you know, stuff that they can't prove. And, and just in that in that journey to finally get that final piece of evidence that no one else can refute. Yeah, I think I think so. And, and you know, and because I do 
have done so many years and so much work more in the ghost haunting, you know, shadow person, demonic, whatever, you know, that realm versus the other. It does all tie in. And there's other things that apply to all these fields, which have to do with us personally. And that's where the neurology comes in. What is it that you're seeing? Our brains are the faultiest thing you could ever imagine. Oh, yeah. We will... It will literally lie to us and make up facts to make things make sense. And I know, we how do you don't think know I get it. up in the morning? <laughs> exactly, right? My life is wonderful and it's going to be a great day. Right, it's all big life. <clears throat> but, you know, so whether it be, uh, you know, something called, um, you know, the McGurk effect, which is, you know, which your eyes and your ears are hearing and they tend to to not sink and they could change it to motion induced induced blindness and so on and so forth. Um, it's insane how many, how faulty we are. So this is why it's really, really important to document, use equipment outside of ourselves sure. to try to document and capture what may be considered evidence. But it, I personally feel it is equally if not more so important at this point in time, to look at the causes. How is this happening? Because that's where we're making, I'm, you know, where you're going to find the connections to this all. Well, and I think that's where we all want to go with it too. Because if you hear EVPs or you, you're experiencing something, you know, you see crazy lights or maybe you end up seeing Bigfoot or he throws a rock at your, you know, the window of your cabin or something. Or you see a UFO. You know, the idea is like, okay, now, if, if you see it, you believe it. And so the idea is like, okay, UFOs exist. Why do you know? Because I've seen something. N- the next part is getting past the, are they all hallucinations or are they real to, okay, something is there. What exactly is it? Is it a government experiment? Is it extraterrestrial? Is, you know, is a ghost just a recording that's in the ground? Or is it an intelligent, you know, after death spirit kind of thing. And I, I think that's the that's the fun part where now that we've had a lot of these, you know, ghost TV shows and, and a lot of, a lot more people are experiencing EVPs and seeing crazy things, getting to the root cause is exactly I think where we want to go with this. So I I, I I do agree. I absolutely agree. It's just, you know, we we need to look at things multiple dimensions, wormholes, um, time cloaking, human perceptions. Absolutely. You know, our system functionality, and this is going to relate to everything from psychic phenomena to alien, you know, UFOs, creatures, you know, cryptids, creature sightings, and and ghost entities. And I'm excited to watch this new DVD and see you guys try to do it in the Calamarain. I know. It's, it's, I'm, you know what? I'm excited about it. Um, I have, to be honest, I have not seen the final product. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this has all turned out. Um, What's you know, it called? someone else. It is called "Into the Woods: A Case Study of the Wisconsin Sasquatch and Other Phenomenon," and it should be coming out in September this year. All right, so coming out next month, and people are going to be able to find that on uh, theparanormalmd.com. You can have a link right there. Right, I'll have it at theparanormalmd.com. I'll also have it at theparanormalmdradio.com because um, I do. Uh, a show, a podcast also. I'm sure it's going to be at Jay's website, which is wpihuntsthetruth.com. 
And uh, after that, we'll see if we can, you know, get it Amazon. We're not sure. I'm not really sure yet, but Fantastic. I know that it's coming out. And we're going to be speaking at. Um, I'm going to be speaking at Ashmore Estates in uh, the beginning of September for their hundredth birthday that's gonna be a fantastic event um um, jay and i are also going to be at uh, doing a combined presentation on this kettle case at dark shores chicago uh chicago dark shores con in october oh that'll be fun we already have tickets to it so um... oh oh great awesome yeah we're doing it together and we're, we're looking forward to that and then we're and then we're not doing anything together because i'm actually going to be doing because it was already in the works, um, I'm speaking um, in, at the Milwaukee Ghost uh, Paranormal Conference um, on paranormal. It's a thing called paranormal entanglement, but it really talks a lot about what I'm talking about here, the root cause yeah. of phenomenon and doing a workshop. And Jay is on a panel um, uh, probably, I'm sure it has to do with cryptids, type panel at the Milwaukee conference. We'll be there too. I'm sure we'll be seeing you a lot in the near future, Mary. Yes. Yes, you will. <laughs> Fantastic. So make sure you guys out there, uh, you can find all the links to the show notes, othersidepodcast.com slash 104, and you can learn a ton more about Mary Marshall, the Paranormal MD radio show, and her classes and things. And we're going to have to have you back on to talk about more uh, about how you got the college is doing this stuff and the, the different stuff that you guys talk about uh, in your classes and that'll be a lot of fun too so thank you very much for joining us today Mary well thank you for having me so we'll be talking to Mary again probably at the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference which is coming up pretty soon actually yep October uh, 15th and 16th is going to be the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference we'll put a link to it in the show notes and everything like that because uh, we will be there interviewing Karina from Paranormal Lockdown. Cool. And so we're going to be uh, facilitating the Q&A for the keynote at the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference this year. So exciting. Yes, that is exciting. And uh, we're also going to be performing as a band some of the songs that we do in the podcast. Hey. That's right. You'll be able to hear some uh, Sunspot acoustic tunes uh, that night. And we're really excited about the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference. And that's what we'll be seeing more of Mary Marshall. And of course, when you want to learn more about the Paranormal MD, find out about the Into the Woods DVD that she did with our man Jay from WPI Hunts the Truth, or listen to her radio show. You can find that in our show notes at othersidepodcast.com slash 104. That's right. So for this week's song, we were thinking about uh, something that Mary talked about in her first experience was that the smell of sulfur. Ew. Right. Was th- that she had that strong sense of sulfur when, when she went into that basement room. And that's always associated with demonic activity, with weirdness. You know, another word for sulfur in the Bible is brimstone. Mm, so okay. when, when people talk about fire and brimstone as a, uh, a metaphor for God's wrath and being burnt, um, well... They're talking about sulfur. So it's not just rotten eggs. It's also the devil. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, that's the name of this week's Sunspot song, Sulfur.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Can I borrow the car?